The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Um, what do you think of the backstage people that have departed AEW and what that actually means for AEW. Are you the glass half full guy that sees this as a house cleaning for a new perspective, perspective, a new direction guy, a la what Conrad is saying, or are you an Eric Bischoff? I'm deeply concerned because minds like Kevin Sullivan and Swerve and these folks who know a bit about putting on a wrestling program are either leaving of their own volition or being told they won't be renewed in some way, shape, or form. So and that that's danger that they don't know what's up. That that Tony right. doesn't know what he's doing. I'm I'm neither, honestly. Yeah. Um Conrad's always going to Conrad, right? He's always, and in this right, case, right, right, that, right. that statement means a lot of things. But in this case, Conrad is always going to try to spin anything AEW does as positive. And until Bruce or Eric prove to him that it's wrong, that he suddenly does a 180. Like that's just what Conrad does. People tend to forget. And, and, and so I always have to remind people, Conrad Thompson introduced Tony Khan to Cody Rhodes. Conrad Thompson, this big fat dude in, in Alabama who runs a mortgage company, is the reason we have an all-elite wrestling. We would not have an all-elite wrestling without Conrad Thompson. He'll never admit it. Right. He also says he doesn't want to promote events, but he does it. So, uh, And his last star cast was apparently an abysmal failure. but Because he didn't do it around AEW. I don't know. And even if he did, I don't even know. I'm getting off on tangent. But uh, I just... So I'm not with Conrad saying it's a good thing. I also don't – I'm split – I'm 50-50 on Bischoff's opinion on AEW sometimes because – Well, and I, I don't really think – I, I want to be clear because I hope I'm not misrepresenting. He, he, his point was that – or he, he basically said that it was concerning that these guys were all going. Right. It, it, there is concern there. Now, Bischoff is going to be more concerned that they let Kevin Sullivan go because he's worked he's with that with guy. Kevin Sullivan. And it's not the same Kevin Sullivan. If, if people don't know who we're talking about, it's not the taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, that we're talking about. It's a production guy. Right. Um, a very well-known and well-respected production guy who apparently was fired by someone that Tony Khan brought in out of WWE production, if if I understand mm. correctly. Again, not being the alternative. It's, it's, it's someone who thinks they can do WWE better than WWE. And I used to be pounding the table for bringing WWE people. I was. And then I realized that's never going to work. But I do think there is cause for concern because if you look holistically over the past few years, Cody Rhodes left. Cody Rhodes was literally one of the founding fathers of the company. Again, one of the two people that Conrad Thompson introduced to each other to start AEW. Cody's one of them. Tony Khan's the other. So, so literally the, 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 the beating heart of your company left to go back to WWE. It was that bad. He saw the writing on the wall, the direction it was going in. Jade Cargill leaving, to me, is not as big of a deal as people make of it because this is probably what she always wanted to do. 
She probably always, she's a big star and big stars want to go where big stars go. And that's WWE. And they want the right. challenge of being a big star. Yeah. Eric's argument about Jade was between getting CM Punk and getting Jade Cargill. He sees yeah. more value in Jade because of the possibility of her being there longer. Like that exactly. she's a bigger future play. They're both equally valuable in my opinion. One's valuable right. in the short term. One's valuable in the long term. Punk leaving is concerning not because CM Punk left because honestly long term he's more valuable to WWE than he is to AEW which I know sounds ludicrous because he did move the needle for AEW but he only did it short in short little bursts um yeah. but the, the the environment of AEW was not good for him and I think he him leaving and going through what he went through and not saying he was right he was very wrong everybody was very wrong right it, it, it's it's kind of like when we were talking about Johnny Depp and, and Amber Heard before, like mm-hmm. there, there were people that were very wrong in that CM Punk did a lot of very wrong things. So did the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, right? Like a lot of people did very wrong things. Nobody would have done those wrong things in WWE because they would not have happened because it never would have right. got to that point. The Jack Perry stuff with CM Punk would not have happened because it never would have got to that point. So, so it's alarming for that reason too. QT Marshall leaving, a lot of people might think, oh, it's QT Marshall, whatever. No one would care that Sanjay Dutt left TNA. No, Sanjay Dutt's not a good example. Um, like Arya Davari, but yet here he is producing for WWE. Abyss leaving TNA is meaningless to me because you know I can't stand Abyss as a professional wrestler. But he's right. a great producer for WWE according to all, according to all reports. So that's a big loss because I'm sure TNA could use him as they head into next year as a producer. So so losing QT Marshall is a bigger blow than people. He formatted their TV shows. Like right. It, it's it's now again brought in a producer for WWE. So maybe that had something to do with QT leaving. Who knows? I don't know. Again, this documentary is QT's going to go to WWE. In my humble opinion. He's going to go to WWE. Yeah. He's going to be the guy who people are like, why the hell is QT Marshall on NXT? The dude's probably almost 40. Like, why is he on NXT? And he'll be on TV for a little bit, and then he'll become a producer. And five years from now, we're going to be talking years. about this amazing producer. He's going to be a GM of Raw SmackDown. He'll be the GM who replaces Nick Aldis on SmackDown when Nick Aldis starts wrestling again. Like, it's right, very possible right. that that happens. So he's going to become – because he probably sees what – and again – he literally helped Cody Rhodes start the Nightmare Factory. Cody's in WWE now. Like, it's just... Right. He, all roads lead back to Cody Rhodes sometimes. And, and even though I complain that they shove him down our throats, and they're doing a good job of not doing that right now with the Shinsuke story. But it's... So, uh, so I do think... I don't... I can't fully agree with either Conrad or Eric. I would lean more to the side of Eric. But I think the reasons for concern are far more varied than what Eric says. Right. Um, maybe it's the same volume of concern, just coming from different sources. Well, so here, here's my other question. Does bringing in – so regardless of these folks that have left, right. the, the behind-the-scenes people, does it matter – are you even recording this, by the way? Or are Absolutely. we just talking? Okay. I was like – I started um, recording the, right when you asked the question. Does it matter? So the question is part of the show. Got you. Does it matter who Tony Khan brings in on the backside of the production? The 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 guys who the the guys who make the sandwich, 
the meat and potatoes. If Tony Khan doesn't fundamentally change philosophically how he's running his company. But one of my to, – to, to use your sandwich analogy, okay? One of my favorite sandwich shops used to live on Brock Lesnar shorts. Like I, in the past year, have discovered Jimmy, Jimmy John's. John's. And – and I usually get a number one from Jimmy John's, which is which is the Pepe, which is ham and cheese. Regular, cut in half. Like, that's what I get, right? But I'm trying to cut back on red meat, okay? Because leukemia treatment causes a lot of things. It can also cause higher cholesterol, and so I'm trying to cut back on red meat. So now I might switch to, like, the turkey sandwich, okay? Solid. But that's a big change, going from the ham sandwich to the turkey sandwich. It doesn't matter who Tony Khan brings in if they're still making a ham sandwich. Right. If Tony Khan decides we're going to start making turkey sandwiches, then it matters. But until Tony Khan decides – or if Tony Khan decides, you know what? What kind of sandwich do you think we should make? And they say, how about some Capicola? Like that is – then we're talking about the person right. mattering. But no, it really doesn't matter who Tony Khan brings in. If they're still making the same sandwich, um, and, the, the sandwich the artist, that, to steal a subway term, doesn't yeah. matter. But if they change the sandwich, now it matters. They got to change the and, sandwich, though. And that's the thing that I, I think is really interesting because, you know, as I, as I kind of continue to use this this past week, I'll, I'll give a credit. This past week of 83 weeks, which was a three hour show that I was very excited about because it was about the New Japan WCW relationship and mm. and bringing that talent in. I, was like, I haven't oh, listened yet, but I'm cool. gonna, I will. Uh, the first hour of that show is, is none of that. It is talking about this, and and it got it got me to thinking. Um, as, as Bischoff kind of talked about, sort of AEW needing to hold on to all of the sort of wrestling capital that it can. Like he 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 talked about gotta you gotta re-sign mjf and and show that you've re-signed mjf because he sees him as a big star he argued that you really need to you know keep jr because while jr isn't what he once was he is a he is a capital name in the industry that that can be built that, that you can sell as somebody that you have uh and then what that really got me to thinking was it actually transitioned me over to jr's podcast that he does with conrad where he talks about all these strategies and things you need to do i didn't realize that was still a thing oh yeah it's still a thing Uh, we're still grilling jr huh i don't i don't listen to it as frequently as i used to like i definitely look at the topic and if it's and i I, and i will move on um if the topic doesn't speak to me but almost every episode inevitably because again as you talked about when it comes to conrad and aew like that it that's his brand like that's that's his his show he's going to he's going to sell the shit out of it and jr is a friendly audience uh and is a friendly co-host when it comes to that as opposed to uh bruce pritchard and or a you know who he obviously isn't going to talk to AEW with or eric bischoff who has a very honest and unabashed dislike for how tony khan is running his business um but JR will talk about all these things that we would consider as very logical for running a company and talking about how you can't always make talent happy. You can't always be a fan to X, Y, and Z. Like he's spouting all of these things and this guy works in the company. Yeah, but he's leaving, isn't he? Well, his contract is up and nobody's like, he hasn't been re-signed yet. 
which is why, again, that's where Bishop was like, he should. I feel like he should be resigned, even if you're not, you know, in some in some way, shape, or form. So even if Jr. is resigned or not, but Jr. has been saying this for the entirety of his AEW contract. As he's talked about how well, he happy is. he is working at AEW, he's been talking about all of these this, different things that he believes make a you know help make a wrestling company work. And while some of those feelings are dated, some of them are still absolutely true. And even the and, dated ones, you could learn from and apply right in the proper way in twenty twenty three slash twenty twenty. But it but it's clear to me with the experienced folk that they have in the company. That we all like, you hear people talk about this all the time. Well, such and such would be a great voice to have in the locker room and backstage and to help as a producer and a teacher um, and help with putting these shows together. And I don't know who is or isn't, like, I'm not going to pretend to know, but it is clear to me. I don't know either, that, by the way. Uh, I don't pretend to right. know who's putting AEW together either. I really don't. But, but it is clear to me, much like people believe and still believe that, like, Vince McMahon is the only voice. That, that matters when it comes to WWE programming. To me, it seems pretty clear that at the end of the day, whatever Tony Khan sort of is is told will work, he kind of runs with and lets happen. I think, I, I, mean, I mean, there's still that. He, he very much is the audience of one when it comes to AEW, just like Vince McMahon was with WWE. I also think that he's, he's still kind of starstruck. By the Chris Jericho's and Adam Copeland's of the world, and that's why those guys get to do whatever they want, right? Like, and it's funny too because they they recently put out on social media. It was a year ago, the other day, that Action Andretti pinned Chris Jericho. Major upset. It was the Winter is Coming episode of Dynamite last year, so I guess it was over a week ago. Now they put it out there, and right. this major upset and everything. It was it was literally akin to. You know, the one, two, three kid pinning Razor Ramon. Like, it really was. I'm not being facetious. Like, it actually was. And they have done fuck all with Action Andretti in the past six months since that happened. He's been more in Ring of Honor, and now he's teaming with... Well, Chris Jericho lost his partner, Kenny Omega, to diverticulitis, and now doesn't have a partner to challenge Big Bill and Ricky Starks. And my brain immediately went to continuing the Razor Ramon one, two, three kid thing. Like, they should become partners right. now. Like he should offer Jericho should be like, okay. And accept, and then they should be the ones that go after the titles and probably even win them because what the hell is big bill and Ricky Starks doing as a team. Anyway, you might as right. well. I think Jericho and action Andretti would be more entertaining with the tag titles until we get them on a quote unquote real team and rebuild your tag team division. Cause you got 4 million tag teams in AEW cause you got 4 million wrestlers. You had 8 million wrestlers in AEW. So by default, you got 4 million tag teams, just math. Word. And and but but that's the thing, like that whole putting over action Andretti was Chris Jericho's idea. Putting over Ricky Starks was Chris Jericho's idea, and and so much of that then leads to nothing for a lot of these performers right. because the talent had the idea, and once the talent's idea is over, Tony Khan can't then pick the ball up and run it the rest of the way. Yeah, I really the, the it wasn't his idea to begin with. What, the whole concept of what's next mm -hmm. is so lost and you know that's that's why i think it's interesting and i and you say this all the all the time when 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 people throw around terms like booker of the year which i know you think is dumb uh but you will always you will right. often say tony khan is a matchmaker of the year but not a booker of the year because right. he doesn't really tell a long coherent storyline 
whereas the bloodline continues to just churn out a story mm-hmm. like it's still going now you know solo sokoa is is the heir apparent and we're creating more friction within the group which we you know uh, probably Jimmy don't really and, need but yeah and look, I'll be the first one to tell you the bloodline in 2023, not as good as the bloodline. Like, right. and I shouldn't say in 2023 because January, February, March, April, it was damn good. Even into like, right. it just, it just up to money in the bank. Like it, it was it good. Slowed it down. And I, and a lot of people think it's because Roman Reigns is going to lose and go away. I think they're sandbagging for 2024. Same with Rhea Ripley. Right. She has not had a ton of title defenses or a ton of challengers because I think they're, they have long-term plans for her. And so why blow it all in one shot? So that's, kind of what i see with that but yeah the storytelling element of it is good but you it's funny because right before you said the what next i had that thought in my head with tony khan and the characters and and here's the thing and i've never gone this far with the what next thing somebody might come to me and i'll use myself as an example with a great idea and it could be a really good idea but i can't see what's next and so why do it because then it looks like a wasted opportunity and that might be my fault that I can't see what's next. That might be that that I'm not good at taking someone else's idea and running with it after their portion of the idea is over without a complete fit. And I think that's what Tony Khan experiences. He doesn't know what to do with somebody else's. He doesn't know. He can probably figure out what's next from his own idea to his own idea to his own idea. But he may not be right. able to figure out what's next from Chris Jericho's idea to his own idea to his own idea. Or Adam Copeland's idea to his own idea to his own idea. So that to me is and, – and the Young Bucks, that's why the tag division is so horrible. Because once the Young Bucks decide they want to take a month off, the whole thing goes to open flames. Right. And, and this is why this is why you need a team of people. Right. And not and not just a like and I, and and I said at least at the level of an AEW or you know WWE I don't know what you have at IZW or what you do if whether you are you are it or if there is more to to that than just you right um, I am as we call in the business I am the pencil which is this yep. is the Booker but I purposely and I'm even trying to do more of it will I I, I bounce ideas off of people. Obviously, Navajo Warriors, big one. Um, he, right. I don't do anything without him looking at it, reviewing it, giving me ideas, giving me thoughts, changes. I change nearly everything Stroking that he wants to change. you and saying that doesn't right. work for him, brother. No, he's not like that at all. Trust me. Um, but you can't do that when Making you don't a have joke, a fool, a man, or a chew on your face. Um, but now I've started involving more people and I involved, there's some talent that I involve in their storylines. And I'm like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And then they give ideas and all that. So, you still got at our level, you still have to filter through one person because it all has to make sense. Like somebody gives me an idea. So somebody once gave me a great idea and it was last year when we were dealing with our venue issues in February and whatever. And he was like, you could do this and it would work out like this other company. And I was like, yes, it would work, but we already plan on doing these four things that that would completely derail. And, and we're still going to do those things, even though this has gone wrong. So it's, it's, you kind of need that centralized, house that that hub of all the stories so that you can make sure they actually kind of go together and make sense and and but then there's the aspect of it that that's then okay what do you take from paper and pencil and in the ring and i do very little of that like that's our producers and our we call them agents still but that's what WWE producers like every match assign an agent and their job along with the talent is to take what's on paper make it make sense in the ring and they do a phenomenal job like 
people we have running our events could actually run full scale events from a creative and we need help on the scaling and production end, but like, and we even have some good people there too. It's just, you need help on the equipment and the facility and all that stuff. But like, I would take our people almost anywhere. Um, and, and that includes the people who were in charge of the matches and putting the matches on because they do a great job of then, then telling those stories. I once watched, um, another local company. I won't name them. Um, just because it's not fair, but you have to keep tabs on the business. And and I've stopped caring what people do and letting it bother me, especially when they talk shit and everybody does, but you still got to know what's going on from a business standpoint because it could affect you at some point. And so I was scanning through to see what somebody's doing from a business standpoint. And I noticed they literally had, they had four matches that, that I, I scrolled through because there's somebody that somebody wanted me to watch. I needed to see from a business standpoint, all that stuff. Three of them finished with a spear. Oh, geez. No. Three matches out of four that I saw finished with a spear. That should never. If I see one more super kick, right? I get mad. If we have two roll-ups, I'm like, damn it. Why did we have two roll-ups? Like I should have known and should have done something about that. My first ever show going back to 2016 couple of days later, I realized we had two straight matches that ended in a roll-up. Like, that bothered me more than it bothered probably anybody else. There were probably a few really smart wrestlers who were like, we had two straight matches that ended in a roll-up. But because I'm like, it's the same damn finish. Like, it makes sense to have a roll-up, but why? So, right. but but to, but those are all the things that, that go into putting on the event. But no matter what the concerns are about AEW, no matter what the concerns are about the, the revolving door that may or may not really be there, doesn't matter if, if it's, it's, if you don't change the price and you don't need a different producer to change your presentation and you don't need a different one. These, the people that do production are talented enough to be told, we're not using a stage anymore. We're entering from the arena. We're going to film it from this angle. Like you give them that challenge and they make it happen. I just don't, because even though it's not his money, it's his dad's money, right? It, it came, Shad Khan has said, he took the $100 million out of Tony Khan's inheritance and gave it to him to do. So it kind of is Tony Khan's money. It's just future right. Tony Khan's money. <clears throat> I don't think he's ready to give up that that control. And I can actually empathize with that because I didn't want to back in the 2016 that I was talking about. And when, when we came back in 2019, I knew that, okay, I can't do it all myself. Cause it ended me up at the doctor's office and all these other things. And now I have to deal with, and then, you know, I didn't have leukemia yet. At least it wasn't diagnosed yet. Like all of those things. So I knew going into this second round, if this is going to work, I need to make these changes. But that was after I no longer really had the opportunity to do it anymore. Tony's not there. He's just not. And the reason he's just not yeah. is because of the resources that he has. And he may never get there. The resources may dry up and he may be out and he may be Uncle Rico talking about the touchdown pass that he threw in the high school football state championship. Like that may just be who he ends up being forever because that self, unfortunately, when you're a billionaire son, you don't need a certain level of self-awareness that you or I need. You just don't. It's just the way it is. It's just the way life put us. So he may never get to that point that I wish he could get to because I want AEW to be successful. I know a lot of people think I don't. I really do because I know people that ended up working there. They're a great place for a lot. Where the hell would the Hardy boys be working right now and collecting a paycheck from? Target? They wouldn't be in wrestling probably. So it's, it's you know, it, it gave Edge and Christian a place to work together. Like there are good things. Ethan Page, like 
dude just recently retransformed his body again, and now he's primed for a push to the top of Ring of Honor. Sadly, there's nothing at the top of Ring of Honor because Tony Khan took the belt away and put it into this fake triple crown he's given to the Winter Continental Classic. <laughs> but yet Eddie Kingston still had a proving ground match at Final Battle, which makes no sense when in a few weeks there's going to be no title that could have been challenged for. But again, it, it's it's Tony Khan. Like it, it, yeah, it's there's the just, the yeah. And I got criticized by people in the business when I would when when I was criticizing AEW and the way they were starting because of what I said. Why are you so critical when it's a place to work? People can make money, all of that, and that's all very true. And right, right, and, right. And that's and so like I could be better. It can actually it could, it could just be better and sustainable and, and sustainable. And that's the thing. Like better is so subjective. Because there are some people, yeah, but, we see it on Twitter all the time. There are some people that think it doesn't need to get better. They think it's great. But right. sustainable is objective. Fair. Um, I don't know. I, I think that, yeah, I just, it's it's a fascinating little exercise to look at. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see as all of these television deals Yes. Shake out. Like there's there's this big tree um with all these branches and, and things are gonna start to shake out out of those out of those dis- different branches yep. in the next weeks and, and to see how that all works out is gonna be fascinating. Whether you believe, you know, the Warner Brothers Discovery thing with the WWE. Which I do. Whether you with yeah, sure. Uh, why wouldn't they like, like what? Yeah. No, but like, yeah. Like why wouldn't they, um, you know, it's just, you know, you got Tony Khan in that pro- press conference after final battle talking about relationships, things are uh-huh. great with Warner brothers discovery. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, what else are you talking about though? Oh, he, I don't Cause know. I was going to bring it up really? during the show. I, I was going to bring it up. Which so part do you want to bring up the part where he talks about, um, how he talks about like everybody seems to, you know, criticize him under attack. Like he's under attack all the time that AEW, anytime AEW does something good, there's somebody that there's people out there still ripping on Like they can't do anything that's good. It was very, to me, whether it's true or not. And I know we talked about this, you know, uh, ahead of time again in our, our exchanges, no matter whether it's true or not, and I'm sure you're going to expound on it a little bit. It doesn't fucking matter if you sound like you're a whiny cry. Why? Woe is me. Feel sorry for me and my company. Like he, he didn't come across as, a, as resolute. He didn't come across as defiant. He didn't come across as somebody who was taking on the big guy. He didn't come off as an underdog. He came off as a crybaby. Yeah. At least to me. He's actually not very good in the underdog role. And how can he be? He's a billionaire's son. Yes. But but if if you're trying to sell it, it's it's like when Vince McMahon was trying to sell that the big bad, you know, T and uh-huh. you know, Ted Turner was was wrecking his poor little homegrown yeah. pull ourselves up by our bootstraps company. Like, nobody believed that. Of course not. Like nobody believe that, and this is the same thing. You can't believe a guy who, like you just said, got a hundred million dollars out of his inheritance to put on a company, crying that everybody hates him when he has one of the most rabid fan bases mm-hmm. and supporters in media 
Like he's got two of the most rabid supporters uh, for a niche fan base in media. Because yeah. I don't care how much you protest, Dave fucking celebrates AEW. Um, he does. He also points out the negative, which is why. And I only say that because everyone says he's on the payroll. He's obviously not because he does criticize. Oh, he's company. he's not. But I would say he's kinder than yeah. than he could be. Absolutely. Very much. Um, and then you look at and again we just talked about him. You look at the guy with the biggest wrestling podcast re- network in the country, mm-hmm. and all and, and in every one of his shows, even the shows. Like even a show with his best friend or one of his best friends, mm-hmm. Bruce Pritchard, where he does not extol the successes of the WWE with Bruce the way he does with his AEW stuff. Absolutely. Now some of that's some of that's Bruce saying he doesn't want to talk about current stuff. Right. But but most of what you hear Conrad say, even when he's speaking well of the WWE with Bruce, is Oh, that was a pretty good SummerSlam you had there. That was a heck of a show. And, and that's kind of it. Or on the heels of a very successful SummerSlam. But he right. doesn't talk about how amazing it was, right? He might throw out a match right. or two or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's and I think we have to remember too, like, again, this is another person who's extremely wealthy, who's doing whatever he wants to do. Um, and and he just instead of starting a wrestling company, started a podcasting venture. Like, you know, right. it, it, Make no mistake about it, like he's got a family run mortgage company that he took over from his parents that was already making tons of money before he took it over. So again, it, it's it's not equal shoes. The shoes aren't fitting. But um but to go back to to that point, the under attack thing, like Tony Khan is a horrible underdog, and and how could he not be? But nobody is under attack more than WWE. Like nobody, like if you look at social media and you look at whatever, the problem is they're like the death star. Like, like all these shots are fired and they just into oblivion. They got this force field around them that, 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 that they've put there themselves that it deflects everything. And that force field goes all the way back to the 1980s when Vince McMahon was like, don't sell anything. Like, right. like, like it, and everybody's talked about it. Like when WCW was kicking his ass, like he didn't sell anything when the, when the government was coming after him and he didn't sell anything and he beat all those people. Like Tony Khan sells everything, like literally sells everything and, and paints himself out. And I think, cause that's what motivates him. Whereas Vince being above all of that is, is what motivated him and, and what pushed him. And I don't know who taught that to Vince or if he just came up with that on his own, because sometimes you do just come up with things on your own. Like that that's a real thing. Like right. not everything is, is taught and passed down. But it's it's one of the biggest lessons ever. And it's it's, you know, one of the things that that I learn myself and I have some really smart people who have to tell me like when people talk shit about us, and everybody talks shit about everybody in wrestling. It's one of the things that I love and right. hate about it. Really more hate than anything. And they're like, Why does it matter? Why does it matter what this person who draws thirty people thinks about you? Like and it took me like most of 2023 to finally accept this. I got a message last Friday from somebody telling me, someone apologizing to me because somebody was bragging about a message they sent me 18 months ago. And they were like, I'm really sorry that person said that to you. And I was like, that was eight. I had to go look it up. And I was just like, that message was 18 months old. I haven't even thought, like, I haven't talked to that person since then. Like, I just don't care. And, and I realized like, oh, I really didn't care. That's amazing. Like normally that would have bothered me. I would have allowed that to bother me. Right. And that's what Tony Khan needs to get to. Like he needs to not, 
here. And that's why one of my, I'm going to write the article. I've, I've talked about it in so many different forms, including here of like everything that they need to do to get better. AW being they pronouns, pal. And one of them is don't watch a single second of WWE programming. Don't watch it. Don't pay attention to right. it. Unfollow it. Mute it. Do everything you have to do to not see anything WWE so you can actually come at it from a fresh perspective. And, and then, like I said, watch everything the UFC does. Yes, it's owned by the same people, but I don't care. It's produced differently. Make that your starting point. Try to be, try to do UFC better than UFC, not WWE better than WWE. And I think you might succeed at being an alternative. And that's all I really want out of AEW. And and this goes all the way back to bring this full circle to where I started this conversation and and our boys, Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson. The mantra Eric has been carrying around lately on the show is asking yourself the question, can I be better? If I can't be better, how can I be different? And, and, And he's really emphasized that you can't be better than the WWE right now. Like you can't. So don't even try. Yeah. If you can't be be better than be, be different then. Cause otherwise you're going to be less than like that's on the, the, that's, that's the the 300th episode of, of 83 weeks. That's one of the things that Conrad said he learned from Eric, like you said. Um, and I, and and I agree. And it's, and it's been reemphasized since then. That's, that's what I was going to, yeah, I agree with you. And, and that's true. And I, I think Tony Khan is still trying to be better then. And right. it just ain't going to happen. He's fighting a grizzly bear. And Tony Khan couldn't beat up uh, a, a baby cub. Like, he just couldn't, like, look at him physically. Like, he just couldn't. And mm-hmm. it just, it, it's, and it's so funny, too. Like, you look at back when they were doing their stuff with TNA and they made TNA look small. Like, I think he just wanted to beat up on somebody. I really do. Right. I think he wanted to puff his chest out and be better than somebody. It got him nothing. Literally nothing was gained from that. Um, it's funny, though, as we just completely transition and, and we're now like a half hour into the program. Um, we should probably like acknowledge our, our it, it's, whole it's deal. It's too late now. Uh, we, we can still. We will. Um, four years ago, we sat back and we were just like, man, 2020 is going to be this insane year. Like at the end of 2019, we talked about how insane 2020 was going to be. Like we were just like, I think crazy things are going to happen in 2020. We had no idea exactly how crazy 2020 was going to be. Right. Like that shit went sideways quick. Um, by March, it was all upside down. But 2024, I think, is going to be a crazy year because there are a lot of contracts coming up. Um, there's TV deals that are going to happen. And, and by this time next year, Raw is going to be on a new network. Yep. SmackDown's going to be on USA and we're all going to have watched more of the CW than we ever thought possible by watching NXT. And 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 who and and TNA is going to be doing something different by then? Like like no one knows. New Japan's coming back to access like Yep. Which I know you're excited about and I'm excited about too. I think I need to actually set I mean, my DVR to record it. Um I'm still I'm still watching old New Japan. Yeah, well, that's what they put on there anyway. But it's 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 crazy to think of what things are going to, I do think plus all these new con like, like the rumors that Dominic Mysterio signed a five year deal with WWE. Everyone's like, that's Oh, that's great for huge. Dom, blah, 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 blah. They don't do five year deals. Like that's new. Right. 
And and what happens if they sign Seth Rollins to a five-year deal and Drew McIntyre to a five-year deal and Becky Lynch to a five-year deal? Like they're going to lock people down for a long, long time. And so by the time, let's say, let's say they sign Seth Rollins to a five-year deal. By the time Seth Rollins' five-year deal is up, whatever deal Edge signed with AEW is already up. Whatever deal John Moxley currently has with AEW is already up. There's a chance they could all be back in in WWE by that point. And it's 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 just the landscape. I think 2024 is going to be a shifting landscape because it's going to be the first year of new contracts being doled out by WWE under their new ownership. All these new TV deals that are coming out and and AEW might not be on Warner Brothers anymore. They'll be somewhere. And that's the other thing too. People think that if WBD goes with Raw and AEW loses that, they're going to go away. They're not. They're the number one show on cable most Wednesdays. Like someone's right. going to scoop that up. They're not going to get double, which they apparently need to get double the TV deal just to, to get profitable. That's probably not even going to happen from, from WBD because it's wrestling. Right. And advertisers, SmackDown is, is wildly successful on Fox, but advertisers don't want to pay for it because it's wrestling. So that's just, it's, it's not going to stop being wrestling in time for Warner Brothers to double their deal. So it's 2024 is going to be crazy in my opinion. Um, and you could say that every year, but I feel like the pieces are there from almost every yeah. single company really, except new Japan. What a time to be alive, my friend. We've had being Gen Xers is like the greatest thing ever for us. Cause we've literally seen right. it all. Like we were born when there were eight track tapes. So, and we're going to live to see those things become cool again. Cause, cause vinyl is cool right now. So Soon cassette tapes, VHS gonna be cool. DVDs are gonna be cool again during our lifetime. Like they're coming back. Physical physical media will be important again, damn it. It'll be more valuable than it is now. It will be. Like it'll because it'll be a nostalgia. Nostalgia is more expensive. Um and people are starting to realize you don't own anything. So right. Yeah, I'm sure that's more of a bandwagon nerds topic as well. Speaking of bandwagon nerds topic, I'm going to go ahead and play the show opening. No, I'm not. I'm going to play the commercial break. And and with Greg DeMarco and Patrick Goodout here on the Greg DeMarco Show. Happy? Chairshot.com. Chairshot Radio Network. At Wrestling Realist. W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. There's no I in wrestling, but there's one realist. And Greg DeMarco 44. And at Chairshot Media. Oh, there's no. It won't let me play the the thing. It won't let me play the thing at all. What? I know. Say something again. What? Okay. I, I feared for a second there that maybe um may, maybe your your voice wasn't being recorded, but it is. So we're good. We're good in that regard. Hang on a second. I gotta, <laughs> that would have been a big waste of time. Right. Oh I gotta God. I gotta fix something on an audio aspect. Give give me a moment. Hang on, still fixing. Still fix it's gonna work though. Wait for it. Wait for it. Here it is. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. All right. Now we're going to go to commercial. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a bandwagon nerds-esque topic. And then maybe swing it back around to pro wrestling. Who the hell knows? Be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks. PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's AngryLemonade.net. All right, we are back, but I'm going to do one more thing. 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna live tech work here, so bear with me. All right, I think we're good. You can hear me. I can hear you. And you heard that as well. I did. All signs point to good. All right, beautiful. So Patrick Adele brought up the bandwagon nerds. I brought up the bandwagon nerds. Everybody should bring up the bandwagon nerds because it's amazing. But it, it, it's it's like the holidays for WWE, right? They they pre-tape NXT. They're going to pre-tape some SmackDown. They may pre-tape some Bandwagon Nerds. And after the pre-taping of Bandwagon Nerds, then um, then, then some news came out. And, and some news came out. And so the Bandwagon Nerds crew will not be able to discuss this. However, the world needs to know what the Bandwagon Nerds crew thinks about this, especially the wrestling realist, Patrick O'Dowd. So, Patrick, what news broke that we're going to discuss outside of the world of pro wrestling? So, Jonathan Majors, who was cast, and you'll note I use the word cast, was uh, as the character Kang in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He had recently, uh, back in, I want to say it was March or so, uh, he had been arrested after um, being charged by his girlfriend for assault and harassment. And this has been an ongoing case uh court case that we've been following over at the bandwagon because this dude is a major 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 piece or uh, i'm sorry i will say once again was a major 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 piece of the marvel cinematic universe and when he was arrested jonathan majors he was jumped by his publicity company he was dumped by every studio that had him tied to a role he he had commercials with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Army that were taken off the air almost immediately. Uh, films that he had finished that he was starring in uh, are are now ga- gathering dust as companies refuse to release them. Well, uh, on December 18th, word finally came out on the results of his trial. He was found guilty of third-degree assault and harassment. And so Marvel, with it, I I had said in the Bandwagon Nerds DM thread when PC Tony shared that he was found guilty, I said he would be fired in less than three hours. He was fired in less than one hour. And within 40-some minutes of the verdict being released, Disney had terminated their contract with with cause from uh from jonathan majors and this just leaves a a huge hole in marvel and marvel has been struggling this year this has not been a good year for marvel for the marvel cinematic universe it is to to say it's been up and down would be a mild understatement and this is kind of the the final blow on what has been a just shitty shitty year from an MCU standpoint uh, to have happen because now we are without the guy who is supposed to be the linchpin, the Kang, or I'm sorry, the Thanos of the next phase of Marvel. And 
there's a lot of question as to what what to do next. Variety published a, an article, uh, I want to say in October, articulating a lot of the other problems within the studio, but also talks of backups and possibilities of what to do should Jonathan Majors have been found guilty. And now that he has been, it looks like they have to answer those questions. And so I don't know how much of Marvel you've watched post uh, post in Endgame, uh, but Jonathan Majors, for a frame of reference, he appeared in the Loki t- television series both seasons, seasons one and two. He appeared in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. He was the villain. He was the primary antagonist. And the post credit scenes set up the future of, of Kings to come. Uh, and he's been talked about around the edges of a lot of different Marvel stuff uh, that's been cranked out. And so uh, it's a big deal. And at the end of the day, the question comes, you know, with this character. And, and he was doing a he was, he's a fine actor. He was doing a terrific job in his portrayal. And so the question that and I, it's a, it's a poll right now on the bandwagon nerds X Twitter thread as well. What do you do with Kang the Conqueror, uh, with Jonathan Majors being fired? Do you stay the course and just recast the character, which Marvel has done before, or do you cut ties with the character entirely, even temporarily, uh, and head in another direction? So, Craig, you're you're a dude on the outside. You I am. I'm like a true movie. bandwagoner. Uh, first off, I've seen every movie. Since then, I have yet to miss a Marvel movie. I have not okay. seen. I don't watch the Disney Plus shows, really, okay. just because of time. Loki's um, really good. I've I, seen a few I episodes of Loki, and I do need to go back and watch everything else um, because I, I love the character as well. Um, and and so that is is one that's on the list. And as I've got time off coming up for the holidays, there probably will be some some watching that takes place. So, um, but but I have seen all the movies. And I thought his portrayal of King the Conqueror was fantastic as an actor. I, I really did. Um, and, and everything, you know, personal items notwithstanding, had they continued with him as King the Conqueror, I think it would have been something that could have helped Marvel and and with some of the slump that they're in. And, and the fatigue that you talked about earlier, I can't remember if that was on air or off air, but superhero fatigue that exists is real. And, and it takes certain things to do it. I... Because of the source material, uh, there are some characters you can just drop, in my opinion. And I don't mm-hmm. think Kang the Conqueror is one of them. I really don't. Like, I feel like he's so important to what they're doing. And, and the value of uh, the whole one of the greatest things about, you know, Infinity War and Endgame and, and, and the build to all of it was the bad guy. And right. it's the same in wrestling. Like, like the key to success is a good bad guy. And, and, and you need your top heel and Kang was going to be a great top heel. So I think this is a case where if I was making the decision, I think you got to recast the character and, and, and move forward with that. Now, having said that, here's the thing about that. We talked about Eric Bischoff and and Conrad Thompson before, right? And, and if you can't be better than you got to be different than otherwise you're going to end up being less than this may be. Outside of Robert Downey Jr. being cast as Tony Stark, 
this may be the single most important casting that they do in the entire MCU because you got to be different than and better than in the same casting. Otherwise, despite the fact that that he's been convicted and done all these bad things that the courts have said he's done, it's still, if, if the person who takes over the role isn't good enough, it's not Jonathan Majors. And it's that's still going to be a thing for people, even if they don't like the guy. So you got to find somebody who's going to play it differently, but also be better. And 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 I'm sure you got some, some you can suggest some names and whatever, but like that, because if you can do that, it's like they changed Dumbledore at one point, like in, in the Harry Potter they series. Did. Like that could have gone real south. It didn't. Um, you put Gandalf in there, so that kind of helped, right? But you've got to, you've, you've got to find, you got to find the Gandalf you can use to replace Dumbledore in this situation. You really do. And if you can find the right person to take over the Kang character, then you're off to the races. If you find the wrong person who can take over the Kang character, you're limping for, for a while. And then it's just going to be, uh, at some point you're going to cut your losses and stop doing the character. But I feel like he's too important of a character to just drop, but you got to nail this one. You do. And I don't know who I'm sure you could, maybe I don't want to put you on the spot, but you might have a better idea of, of who the, who can be, but I think they got to try. So, so Dave, Dave Ungar has been pounding the drum for Henry John Cavill? Boyega. Oh. Oh, did you hear me? Yeah, I just suggested Henry Cavill when you said Dave. So, oh yeah, yeah. Well, you'll you'll have plenty of other opportunities to see Henry Cavill. He actually might not be a bad uh, choice. Just just saying. Right, he wouldn't be a terrible choice. Uh, there'd be some questions about hiring another white dude, uh, especially to replace right. a black actor. Right or wrong, whatever. Um, the multiverse, so you could argue uh, that it could go anywhere. Uh, John David Washington. Uh, I think would be a good one. Uh, he's most known currently for his role in the creator, uh, a movie I have not yet seen. He was also in black Klansman, uh, tenant. He's been in a, in a lot of good stuff. Uh, the other name that I would be interested in seeing them try, um, would be, and I'm going to not pronounce his name correctly. So I'm going to own this as I, Try to pronounce it, Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. You would remember him as Black Manta in Aquaman and the okay. upcoming Aquaman: The Lost Kingdom. With that DC property dying um, under because uh, it's part of the the now defunct Snyderverse, uh, he I I could see him being a very intriguing opportunity to cast uh, in the role of Kang and another person that currently does Marvel work. And I just, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not unusual for Marvel to cast somebody multiple times um, within their universe. Right, they have so many movies. Like there have been people who have played Chris Evans, roles. probably being the most famous one of them. Right. But they weren't in the MCU. They like okay. within the MCU. There's been people who have played multiple roles and, and, um, Within the MCU. Now, most of them have been periphery characters that you wouldn't really, you really would notice. Uh, but Jeffrey Wright, uh, who I loved from his work in uh, the TV show, and I'm going to forget the name of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played uh, he played a character in Westworld. Uh, he's a phenomenal actor. He was uh, Commissioner Gordon in one of the um, versions of the Bat- uh, Batman 
if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, he was uh, also currently within the MCU. He does the voice of Uatu, the Watcher, in the um, in the TV series uh, What If. Okay. So I think those are all very viable options for me. I I would hope that it's I would love to see Mateen the second uh, like I said yeah yeah I'm doing Mateen the second get an opportunity at that because I uh, of the of all the problems I had with Aquaman right. he was not the problem with right, Aquaman yeah, I and I I'm going to go see this sequel because the little O'Dowd wants to see it I'll see uh, it and see it. and he looks awesome. So let me uh, and, and his role. So let me go backwards because yep. I gave my answer and then dove right into making you recast the character with an actor, but right. you never actually had a chance to answer the question. And I assume mm-hmm. I know your answer to the question. However, what was your vote on the bandwagon nerds poll at bandwagon nerds on Twitter, which I have now voted on and retweeted? But I mean, as, as do the you recast the or do you drop? <laughs> I voted for recasting. Okay. Um, and Why? for a couple of reasons. Well, one, Kang is one of my favorite characters in the Marvel universe. Okay. Uh, in fact, currently in this iteration of of the MCU, two of my favorite all time villains are were were being spotlit in different ways because Kang, who I think is one of the most underrated villains in the Marvel comics, he's he was always a rival to the Avengers. He's a very complex character. Uh, there's just so much you can do with him and his like, cause he's from the future and he, right. his original storyline is he's from the future and he goes into the past to, to stop the Avengers because the Avengers stop him in the future. And so he's trying to, he's in a time loop. He's literally a character in a time loop trying to defeat the Avengers and he can't, uh, it's, and it's just so great. And so with the multiverse sort of thing, it, there's a lot of possibility there. So you've got that character. And then at the sort of street level stories that they've been telling with like Hawkeye, Coming up, Echo, they introduced him uh, briefly. Uh, you, you know him from Daredevil, but Vincent right. D'Onofrio's Kingpin is, like, is one of my favorite like street-level villains because he's so nuanced and so layered, and everything he does is for the love of a woman. And, and Vanessa is his world, yet he is this horribly evil, deceitful, terrible man controlling Hell's Kitchen in New York. It's so great. But uh, I also think that they have, like you said, they've laid a lot of groundwork and foundation with Kang to to make him this this next big bad. The concern I have, and I do think it's a way out for Marvel, is again going back to the season two finale of Loki, uh, and, and I don't. Uh, I'm going to spoil it because we're not spoiler free. Loki at the end of that season and basically the end of that series, like he ends his like Tom Hiddleston has said he's he's done like that's it for Loki. Loki literally ends ends up sitting on a throne, manipulating and controlling and expanding all of the different realities of time. So he is this he is the loom of time and he spends eternity continuing to expand and grow it in an effort to save the multiverse from Kang. And so there is a story where Loki basically stopped Kang. 
if they wanted to tell right. it that way. Which would be interesting because then you could potentially bring the Loki Loki character back into the on screen, the, the film screen part of the universe, um, which would be quite entertaining for a lot of people, myself included. So, could you envision a situation where Loki ends up being the big bad at some point? I don't know that Loki ends up being the big bad. I think Loki would be a catalyst, not intentionally, not, to the could next he, challenge. Like, could he? Because. Because it, it's he was one of the most beloved characters. So I uh, no, because I think he's Ric Flair at this point, or 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 Steve Austin, except you know, because they they hit that point in their career where no matter how bad they could act or right. behave, they were always just going to be beloved. Yeah, and I don't think it. I don't think a studio going. I don't think a screen going audience really wants to see a truly evil Loki anymore. Like because of the evolution of the character and what they did, and because um, the where they like, put, and what's the that? actor, the actor plays the role so damn well that you fall in love with right. the character. It's and, the same thing with heels and, and wrestling, like you said, Ric Flair. Right. the The other thing about it is, is that where he is left at the end of Loki season two, like he's literally the center of reality. Okay. Like, like, like he is he is busy like continuing to contain and hold and allow branches of reality to be formed and created and so it's it's it would be tough for him to actually be right a character that could like like be on earth again like he's he's that he's that crazy okay if marvel pivots and and the rumor uh the rumors of pivoting would be to pivot to a character like victor von doom uh, who is a is another of the just the the biggest of the big heavy hitters in the Marvel villain canon, with him now having a Fantastic Four movie. Victor Von Doom could be another big bad who could face off against the Avengers because he's he's faced off against the Avengers. He's faced off against the Fantastic Four. He's faced off against Spider Man, the X Men. Like he's he's taken on everyone. He never he he's never gone forever. And if Marvel wanted to do Secret Wars followed by, which would give you the Beyonder, which if they told the right tale, Doom actually kills the Beyonder and takes his powers because Doom is always about just gaining dominion overall. Uh, That could be a way to go. And Doom, I mean, is again another major character that people would easily love. Right. You've also you've also introduced the X-Men at the conclusion of the Marvels, like X-Men 97. Like we find like X-Men, X-Men are now in the in the MCU with this last one. And, and, you know, it's this interesting mishmash of the 1997 look of the X-Men with the Brian Singer X-Men movies aesthetic uh, with them showing the the door within the mansion uh, being the big X in a circle uh, that opens up the possibility of Magneto. That opens up the possibility of Apocalypse. That opens up the possibility of, um, oh shoot, I'm going to forget the Hellfire Club, Emma Frost. Like, there's so many untouched, uh, Mr. Sinister. Uh, there's just so many characters out there that you could then also bring in as as potential challenges or foils to the MCU. 
you could do you could do the Avengers versus the X Men, which was a comic book arc. Like all of those things are on the table uh, if you if you pivot in a different direction. The nice thing about Marvel and comic books in general is there are plenty of plot threads that exist because Marvel by itself has now been in existence since Marvel as we know it has been in in existence since the mid '60s, and we're in 2023. Right. So, given all that, right? I'm gonna do the Greg thing and start asking questions. Um, and they're like doozies. At least one's a doozy. Is Marvel gonna be like WCW and never be able to recover from the success of the NWO, or is Marvel gonna be like WWE and be cyclical? And are we gonna have another upswing? That's not, you know, if WCW had an upswing, it wouldn't have been the NWO. It would have been something else. Like, will Marvel have another upswing that has nothing to do with all the Infinity stuff? Like, can they, and will, not even can they, because I think the answer is obviously yes. Will they have that upswing and reclaim the popularity that they had back when that phase was going on? So I'm going to be an optimist. I'm going to tell you yes. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna tell you why, and and the reason why is because the writer strike and the screen and the screenwriter strike may have actually helped Marvel in a way that that it, it didn't anticipate, because the oversaturation of Marvel was part of the problem. There's just too much stuff. Like you even said it. Like you you watch the movies you. I haven't watched a much of much, if any, of a of a Disney Plus series. Correct with the, with the Marvel properties, and within those, they've introduced so many other characters, and there's so many other things going on, and people were just tired of all the noise, and, and kind of feeling it was starting to feel like homework and tedium to like watch Marvel, and their storyline, their stories were kind of getting a little stale, and people couldn't forget about it. Because it was always there. Because of this writer strike and because of this actor strike, Marvel only has one movie coming out in 2024, and that's Deadpool 3. And so all of these projects have pushed back. Right. Uh, there's the Echo television series, which is only five episodes that's being dropped, and it's part of a different direction within Marvel. It is It is called, like, I can't remember what they're, Marvel Spotlight is okay. what they're talking about it. And the idea behind these Marvel Spotlight series is that you don't need to be invested in the MCU and that that big thread of story that they're telling to watch, understand and enjoy Echo. So it's Rogue One. And vice versa. Basically, very much S- so. similar and, concept in terms of um, you could watch Rogue One, not have watched any Star Star Wars and be fine. Right. And that's also the plan for the Daredevil series that is getting because of this writer strike. Kevin Feige had an opportunity to finally sit down and look at his Disney's Plus series and recognize that hey, and this is a point that Ray Cash and I disagree very strongly on. Um, Kevin finally rec- Kevin Feige took a look at the early Daredevil footage. Was like, this is terrible. Why is this terrible? And the reason it was terrible was because it didn't have they, they weren't using showrunners to put together their 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 series. They were trying to treat them and film them like movies, where you didn't really have a showrunner and you just fixed everything in post production, and that doesn't work for a series the doesn't way it does like it for a work, movie. Yeah. 
And it, and it caused Foggy to realize, I need to change how we're doing this piece of our shows. And so it's created an opportunity of time for Marvel to kind of take a break, reset, and get back on track with whatever they want to do next. So I think this this benefit of time and, and Feige's track record tells me that he's going to be Vince McMahon slash the WWE and not, you know, Eric Bischoff, Vince Russo, and the, the clusterfuck that became WCW. I'm muted. I it does sound like, yeah, I, I was looking right. I was like, wait, um, no one can hear me right now. It does sound like the, the 2024 they're going to have is a good thing. The fact that it's just Deadpool, which is going to be loved because it's Deadpool. And, and it's going to be bonkers. Like everything that's been shared about. Like, yeah, it's just every, every, everybody that's allegedly tied to this film. Um, it has been leaked. Like, like Ryan Reynolds has been given carte blanche. My, my concern about Deadpool and this was my, this is the problem. Like, so you saw Thor love and thunder, right? Uh, yes. Thor, Lo- Thor love and thunder. I did not like, uh, because it, they, they gave Taika Waititi the keys to the kingdom and no restrictions. And so that movie goes, so did he have Taika. restrictions with Ragnarok? Was he Ragnarok? I think, I think he was, I think he was under a little bit more of a, of a reign because okay. the humor, like it's not a full Taika. If you go back and watch his early work when he's doing stuff on his own, like if you go look at the, the TV or the movie slash mockumentary, what we do in the shadows, like that's a, that's a movie that's full Taika. Okay. Um, and that humor works for the world he created. If you watch the series, our flag means death on HBO max. That's full Taika. Thor Ragnarok is Marvel flavored by Taika. Gotcha. Thor love and thunder is Taika flavored by Marvel. Or it's almost and, Thor, Thor love and it, thunder is AEW trying to do WWE. Kind of Thor yeah, Ragnarok. It's, is it's WWE. Really so. Yeah, I get it. Like, it so, it's, Cause there's someone there so, to say no. Right, and I love Ryan Reynolds. I hope there is somebody there with him and Hugh Jackman to say to say no right. on someone because because I Ryan Reynolds can be too much. Yeah, if given full if given full carb watch. That's true. Like you see some of his things that are more, you know, on his own or whatever. Even things he posts, and it's just like he doesn't know when to stop. He needs someone to he needs someone to produce him. He's, he's right. You know, like I said, put Kenny Omega with WWE producers and his matches are going to be amazing. Like, I, I fully believe that. So, see, we can bring it back to wrestling, even though it wasn't a wrestling conversation. And we got to I ask do. multiple questions, not just about Jonathan Majors. Let's go to commercial break number two and a couple more little things. Obviously, no list because we're an hour in the program, but let's have some fun. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com. Acknowledge me. 
So Patrick has no idea that this topic is coming, but I think it's okay. It's a good thing. It, it's the topic that will make his eyes roll because it, it always does. And, and understandably so. I'm not saying this topic shouldn't make its eye, his eyes roll. But I'm very interested because I, it just has me. I'm, I'm just very intrigued right now. It's one of those 2024 things that's going to be very telling. Patrick O'Dowd, since your good buddy Phil has returned to WWE, a lot has been said and a, and a lot has been done. And there's a lot of really funny things too. Like somebody pointed out his time in NXT. Like he went down there and did a lot of training. And someone did a compilation. Every picture he posted was him with one of the women from NXT. Not a single picture of him with any of the men from NXT. He was known to date a lot of women before in WWE. He's obviously married now. So there's people laughing about that. But um, there's talk that he wants to someday run NXT, which I believe Cody Rhodes also wants to do. Like, it just, uh, I don't know how I can do this without giving my answer first. So I'm just going to have to give my answer first, which I hate doing because I don't want to, you're not going to be steered in any direction, especially when it comes to, to Phil Brooks and CM Punk. He cut a promo, his second or third promo, and he used two words as part of the promo. He said, I've changed. And I got to tell you that right now passes the eye test. It does seem different. It does seem like he's having more fun. It does seem like he's going about this run in WWE as, I don't want to say, it's like, it's like he's got red in his ledger, right? And he's trying to get rid of it. Um, it just screams that to me right now as we approach the end of, of 2023 and this magical 2024 that we have coming up. It feels to me like there's some there's some genuineness to what's going on. Your it's thoughts? It's always great. It's all. It's always great when it starts. Yes, it's true. Like it's always great to be and and I want to believe it. Okay, I do, and I will. I will happily crow. If three years from now, we're still going strong in the CM Punk era or the CM Punk return, uh, maybe even, you know, six months into the CM Punk return, we'll see. I, I hope he's matured. I do. It's, it's just when you've been, when you've been burned so many times Right. It's hard not to wait for the shoe to drop. Like it, you know what I mean. And and you every again, everybody comes back and they're always like, "Yay, it's so awesome, we're back, woohoo!" And I'm here. I'm going to do the right things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And maybe this time it, it is really the one that finally gets him to change. But uh, but I need to see more right now. Absolutely. Uh, and so. I just we we've been fooled many times. Yeah, fool me once, shame on me. Or shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me twelve times, definitely shame on me. I get we'll, it. We'll we'll get fooled again. It's right, but yeah, we will. Um, you're right. It, it, we have to see, and I think we will see because here's the thing. Triple H is 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 the guy in a lot of this, right? Triple H and Punk have had 
their differences publicly and have said things about each other and all of that. Um, to the point where Punk was a non-thought for, for WWE. Punk cut a promo, and one of the things he said was that, and he kind of, you know, touched on, you know, Cody Rhodes wanting to finish his story. And he said he wants to finish his own story, and his own story is main eventing WrestleMania. Because you remember, he was bitter that at WrestleMania 29, 28, 28, him and Chris Jericho for the WWE Championship, and there was, you know, just the one, well, no, there was two at the time. The other one was in the opener. Didn't get to main event the show because of The Rock versus John Cena. They went on second to last instead. I can't imagine that Triple H is going to turn around and put him in a main event match at WrestleMania 40. I just don't think he will. For a couple reasons. Number one, they already have things they're doing. They already have directions they're going in. And number two, you got to see. You got to see how does this guy react to being fourth out of seven matches on night one of WrestleMania. Right. Is he going to handle it like Seth Rollins does? Or is he going to go right. old, old CM Punk? The maturity thing is interesting because I don't believe he was, I don't believe he caused the issues in AEW. I do believe he did not handle the issues that other people caused well at all. I can't even say he didn't handle it very well. He didn't handle it well at all. And I think it was a lot of his frustration over the fact that it's run by children. And in my words, not his, even though he used those words. And, and so there were so many things, frustrations that came together. That's why he handled the way he did. It would never happen in WWE. And even if it did happen in WWE, he wouldn't handle it the same way because he's in WWE. There's also this element to me that's like, he ain't got no other chances after this. Like, this is it. If he wants to have an impact long-term in the world of pro wrestling, he's going to have to do it there. Yeah, this is the last chance. Like, even at TNA, he could go there, but it's not the same thing. Like, he wants to be a giant footprint on the history of pro wrestling He's got, if he wants to end his story the way he wants to, he's got to do it there. Even if the AEW things didn't go down like they did, he still would have needed to come back to WWE at some point. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see how it goes. Um, a lot of people think that you're getting Cody and Roman night two, Punk and Rollins night one. I can't imagine they're going to go a third year of WrestleMania without having women main event night one. I just can't see them doing that again. Like, like there will be a lot of chirping. I really think we're getting Becky and Rhea in the main event of night one. Who Roman wrestles the main event of night two? Who knows? Maybe that is Punk, right? Maybe Punk wins the Rumble and he right. goes with Roman, and he gets his main event. Who knows? Like that could be a possibility. And he loses as well. in his main event. I don't think he cares about winning or losing. I just think he wants to be in the main it's event. True. Um, no, I was talking to all those people who think right. that Roman's losing at WrestleMania. Right, and and look, if we get to the point of in twenty twenty four. If that match ends up being Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes, then I'm just fucking wrong. Because they ain't going to have Cody lose two years straight to the same guy. That's just bad storytelling. Like, if they go there, then I was just wrong. Hogan, He's not beating Hogan's run. He's not doing any of that stuff. And I'll be wrong. Look, Seth Rollins may not have cashed in at WrestleMania 31, 21. It's fine. Like, I would have been wrong there, too. So, and like you said earlier, like, we don't care about being wrong. Like you said, you you happily be wrong about CM Punk if it happens, but I just do feel like I'm I'm willing to see it through. I'm willing to see it out and see exactly where it goes, um, because I just you know to me it's about reading people, which I tend to be pretty good at, and like I get a totally different read from this guy now than I got even when he was in AEW. Um, and I think the AEW run might have a lot to do with it. I think he saw how AEW was ran. He realized, okay, maybe this is an okay thing for me to do in 2023 as a 43 year old CM Punk. So 
uh, I think that, yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what happens. And that's going to be a major thing to watch in, in 2024. And we'll see how that makes everybody feel. So we shall see. All right, gentlemen, you have three minutes and you better make it good. We got three minutes and we're out of here. The clock is ticking and we're in the clear. We got three minutes and we're out of here. We got three minutes and we're out of here. In a recent interview, and I don't know where this interview took place, so I apologize. The, the former Irwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotunda, revealed that WWE signed his son, Wyndham Rotunda, Bray Wyatt, to a Legends contract, posthumously, and all that's going to go to his wife and his kids. Um, and, and those deals, I think, are, are, you know, they vary in amount, but I believe they're like a million dollars a year. Um, and it, to me, it's, it's, it's interesting. I love it. I think it's great. Like they're, you know, they always tell stories all the time about how Vince McMahon would take care of people. And when Ken Patera was in jail for throwing a chair through a McDonald's window or whatever it was, he continued to pay what Ken would have made to his wife to take care of his wife while he was in prison and couldn't work. Like WWE does this. They still send anybody to rehab or work for them, even if they don't work for them anymore, if they need it. Like there's just things that they do. Um, and to me, I think it's great if, if it is a million, say it's a million dollars a year. And now JoJo's going to be getting a million dollars a year for the kids and, and for who knows, you know, forever or however long it is. I think that's a good thing. I just, I know what your thoughts are going to be pretty much, but I want to get your thoughts on it and, and where we go from there. I think it's important to note who shared that story. His dad. Yeah. And they, and I, and I hate to like the WWE didn't publicize it. They didn't. They didn't put it out there. They didn't say, "Look what we did." True. Um, You're right. I didn't even think about that. And, and and I think that's one of the things that for for as many times as I hear about how terrible of a company the WWE is from time to time about like when they let talent go or you know talent struggles and the WWE has to let them go and they get villainized for for making a, a tough business decision. Uh, we don't, we don't hear about these things, which is, it's amazing for, for a company to do, right? Like they clear, like they can afford it. It's, 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 it's just, it's one of those things when they talk about their, their, their family side of it, this is an example of, of somebody quote unquote being a part of that family. And, and helping it it's terrific it's an amazing story it's it's awesome and uh even more so to me that you know the wwe just did it like they made the arrangements and that was that there was no there's no fanfare there was no nothing uh, you know they've honored Wyndham in other ways and and that's that's the way they want to announce it uh, and, and i can't help but then compare that to the other side and Brody lee stuff Right. Like, and, and the patting on the back sometimes that I feel like the AEW has done in regards to honoring his memory. And you know what's interesting about that? And I didn't even think about that until you said it. It's, it's, it's a brilliant point. And I often criticize Tony Khan and AEW for clout chasing, and I think they do. I don't think they clout chase on purpose. I just think it's who they are as people. Right. I really do. But I don't think they realize sometimes how that looks no no they don't you're you're 100 like, right. like they definitely they, they think that's the thing is i um 
this happens all the time. We there, there's all kinds of things that we do with sort of quote unquote like what good intentions right. or Whatever what we means, what yeah. we say doesn't really reflect what the other person experienced with it. I, I this is a true story. I um, received an email from a uh, student staff member uh, asking permission for their group to have to have um, yeah, have the ability to like return to their rooms during our winter break when our buildings are offline and closed. Right. And I said no. And they replied with, I don't understand. I, I said I was, I said I was a residential life staff member, blah, 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 blah. And I had to be like, I don't think this is the flex you think it is. I also don't think they were trying to like put themselves as pulling rank. That's just how they sound. Now, this is different than what you're describing with like cloud chasing. But sometimes when you when you do a thing that you feel is good and who, you know, if Brody and Brody's family doesn't seem to have a problem with it. And that's fine. You right. know what I mean? Like I like nobody's been like, oh, he, you know, they're making they're they're making. But they're not here. objective either. Right. Like, like not trying to be rude, but they're not objective. But, they can't. But if, they're, they're and, but if they don't have a problem with with that celebration of it and if they're a part of it and they want it and, and they're cool with it, that's great. Uh, as someone, as someone like myself, maybe my only, maybe even my own feelings of AEW clouds right. the way I read that Absolutely. thing. But that's what, that's it's how people nature. operate. That's what people do, and that's why you have PR people who have to think about the person like me, who might look at it this way. I agree. I, I agree with you. I'm going to turn it around from, from a business perspective, even though I, I, I slightly feel dirty for talking about this from a business perspective. But it's a business perspective that you may not think of. If I'm them and I haven't asked the question and I do have the ability to ask this question and get the right answer, um, then I'm just trying to frame, I'm not trying to brag. Um, I'd put him on the cover of the video game next year. Sure. And, and I'd have him be a part of the story. I'd have all that, not to make money, not to all that, but like, it's another way to honor him. And, and because one of the responses to him, to the family being signed to a legends contract was like, he'll continually be in the video games. And, and sure. I think that's, I don't know if, if previously past wrestlers are in the video game, I, I don't play the video game. I'm not a gamer. Like I just don't. Um, so I think that maybe next year I should like get you a copy of the game and have you like play it for a while and review it for us. I um, I'd be down. I got a PlayStation five. See, I got a kid. I got a kid to play code. the game with too. See, and and I, I I can get I I know a guy I can get a coat, so it's fine. Um, but it's I I think, it, yeah, it would be big business, but I think there's better reasons that I just can't really seem to articulate right now to put him on the cover of the game. And a lot of people would think it was cheap and dirty. They were going for the business pop, but right. I also think it, it's a way he's so beloved. I don't think we all even realize how beloved he was until he passed. Because some people right. are like, why are they treating him like this when his career never panned out to what it should have been? And it's because they weren't treating the career. They were treating the human. And they loved the right. human. I mean, people that the, you don't even it, know who worked the there. Fa- and the fact that people that talk about what his career should have been tells you all you need to know about the person in general. Yeah, I, it, it's going to sound horrible again. But like, no one ever waxes poetically about the career Test should have had. Right. They just don't, Right. They do what could have been with Eddie, even though Eddie did amazing things. Like we were going to get Eddie versus Sean, like at WrestleMania 22, like all these things were still going to happen. 
So yeah, there's a lot that has to do with that. Um, I, so I, you know, for lack of being able to truly explain why I would put them on the cover of the video game next year, you know, I'd put them in the hall of fame next year. I wouldn't wait. I'd put them on, I'm sure they will. And I put them on the cover of the video game and, and I would continue to honor him. Cause here's the thing. Yeah. That video game is going to make a lot of money. So what his family, like it's, it's, right. you know, again, it would be all positive things all around. So I'm glad they're doing it as well. They doing it. I'm glad they are doing it as well. And I think it'll be a good thing for them long term. So yeah, I'm good. You just made the list. Follow him at Wrestling Realist, W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. I'm at Greg DeMarco44. At Chairshot Media is for the website. Listen to the Chairshot Radio Network. All the great podcasts. We've got some really good stuff coming up, even just this week. Um, got, got a really cool reunion episode for Pot is War. Hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn. By revealing that, that'll be up on Thursday and a whole lot more good stuff coming up. So support it. You know where to, if you can't find it anywhere else on, on your iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, all of that, then you know you can find it here. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. So hang out with us. Do I don't even know what we're doing next week. Patrick and I haven't even talked about it uh, as we can kind of hit that holiday season, but I'm sure we will figure it out. But until then, keep on listening. I'll talk to you next time. I hit the wrong song, but I'll just hit the wrong yeah, song again. Like, that's, that's, that's awesome! I came to okay. There's a price to pay. Tough for you to get down on your knees. Okay. Acknowledge me. Thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.